0: I don't know about y'all, but I like that song. Yes. We're going to sing it a lot, just so you know. If we become those kinds of people, we'll be a different kind of people. If we're those kinds of people, people are going to know the kind of God that we serve, who he is and what he is like. And, uh, whew, okay. Yep, I'm excited. All right. We are in week two of our series, Everyone, Every Day. Last week was the new mission statement. This week we have some new values. This is what we hope people feel as they're with us. I'm going to read them for you. I'm going to talk about them a lot today, but I kind of want to give them in front of you beforehand. If you want, uh, if you want back, you can right now. You can get up. We have a bookmark for everybody. This is what we're doing every week right now want us all to have it, you can put it in your Bible, you can put it in your devotions, you can hang on your fridge. The top part, mission, then our values, how we're gonna do it, and some questions we're gonna always be asking ourselves to see if we are progressing, if we are actually becoming disciples of Jesus, okay? So last week, mission statement was what? Everyone every day, that's good, yeah. Helping one another experience life-giving freedom in who? Jesus, King Jesus, that's right. And the values today, there are these three things. Can you give me the slide, slide number six? I'm gonna read them for you though, okay? So progress over perfection, that's the first one. We know our good God always has more for us than we can achieve on our own. We know, we know our good God always has more for us than we can achieve on our own. Value number two. Again, so people, people feel this when they're with us. Refuge over rejection. We experience the astonishing grace of Jesus as we are seen, known, and loved. And third one, many over me. We partner with the Spirit to make disciples who multiply near and far So today my plan is this, Uh, we're going to start with Jesus today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, we're going to go into Acts because we're going to talk about Jesus and how I think he's saying this is who you need to be. I think there's a great parable about it. Then we're going to look at one of his disciples, his name is Barnabas. Actually his name is Joseph. People call him Barnabas and he's one of my favorite people. And then we're going to talk about us. So hopefully we start with Jesus and his kingdom, we come down to what disciples look like in Jesus' day, and then we get to do something at the end. Does that sound good? All right. Does this sound good? All right, here we go. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. You give me that, yeah, that page number right there. While you're turning there, Jesus is telling parables. So parables are not overly complex. They're just, a rabbi would see things, and he would say, it's like that thing you see, this is what I'm teaching you about. You see that that thing you see, this is what I'm teaching you about. So he's probably seeing things as he's sharing some of these parables. Probably, we don't know. The first one is about a sower where Jesus is saying, I am scattering my word, my seed, and sometimes it lands on good soil and it takes deep roots and it grows. Other times it's snatched away. Other times it's destroyed. But he's talking about, are we ready to receive his word? Are you ready to receive his word? All right. Next, he talks about a lamp on a stand. He's got a light and we don't hide the light. This is something that everybody needs to hear and everyone needs to experience and know. You say, don't, don't hide it. We, I, I'm sharing it with you. The next parable is about a growing seed, where the seed that Jesus scatters, it grows. Whether we want it to or not, it's going to grow. His kingdom, his kingdom is coming, no matter what. And we can part with him or not, which takes us to the last parable. I want to read just verses 30 through 34. It's the parable of the mustard seed. So again, Jesus is probably seeing things people are experiencing, and then they know. He's saying, this is kind of like what it means to follow me. So start in verse 30. Again, he, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. People of God, it's the word of God. So I think I, you know, I'm gonna talk about John Mark today. So I've been reading through Mark. And I, I had not noticed that till recently. So Jesus speaks in parables for everyone everyone to hear it's not complex but his disciples ask further questions so his disciples because they are curious about what Jesus means decide to go be with Jesus and Jesus Mark says if you go be with Jesus if you are his disciple he will explain everything you think about that How are we to be every one, everyday kind of people? How do we help one another experience life-giving freedom in Jesus? The values say, how can we be people of progress over perfection? We'll talk about that. How are we people of refuge over rejection? We'll talk about that. How are we people that are for many over me? Well, according to the word of God, we have to go be with God. And if we go be with God, he will explain everything. So two weeks back, my dad was in here and he says something that really struck me. I, I've, I've been putting it into practice. He was saying, so you have different situations in your in your week and in, in your life, and oftentimes you don't know what to do or 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 yeah, what to do. What do I do? What did he say? Do you remember? What did Jesus do? So he encountered somebody who was hungry. He said, well, Jesus fed people. Here's some, here's some money for some food. Or just, so I've been thinking about that. How, how are we to do this? And I was reading uh, the Gospel according to John. I think it was John. I was reading different, some different Gospels. And an uh, author made an interesting point. He said, if you watch Jesus, he doesn't do the same thing all the time. You know what I said? Sometimes he feeds Everybody. Sometimes he's with groups of people all the time, he didn't. Sometimes he healed everybody. And there's a time where he's at a hospital and he heals just one. How does Jesus make his decisions? According to this, it said that he did the things he saw his father doing. So he is so in line with his father. He knows what he is doing and what he's about, and that's how he decided what to do and when. So we're going to have these values, these things that we hope that we become, but what those things look like is going to change. If we're going to choose the way that we'll love someone, will they're good, so they become who they were intended to be, we have got to be disciples of Jesus. Because if we are with him, he will tell us what to do. He will explain everything. So, two weeks ago, we talked about what is a disciple. Can you give me slide number eight? And we use this. A disciple is a learner, apprentice, a student, is someone who chooses a teacher, engages in extended instruction, becomes proficient following training, and then imitates the teacher. I want to add one thing to it. I was reading a book that someone gave to me, and I think this person's very wise. And I'd read it before, a long time ago, and I was reading it again. He said this too. I want to add this to it. Discipleship is not just about passing along skills. He said, that's mentorship. Discipleship is not just about an accountability relationship. He said, people who stress only accountability don't know how to relate to another person. He said, discipleship is loving someone, willing the good of the other, enjoying a person with whom you have a special bond and chemistry and relationship. And teaching that person then to love the things that Jesus loves. He wrote, discipleship is not an obligation. He said, it's a pleasure. So, being a disciple is choosing a teacher. It is engaging in extended instruction. It is becoming proficient because you're being trained. It is imitating, but it's all done in the context of a relationship. I had this thought this morning early. My parents have been discipling me for 39 years. Slowly over time. I think I drove my parents crazy sometimes. We'll talk about progress over perfection today. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a young parent. I can see it. I'm like, what are you doing? But it's, all this is done in the context of a relationship where you know someone. And according to John Mark, who's speaking on behalf of Peter, who's talking about the words of Jesus, he says, if you are with him, he will explain everything. That is how we become everyone, every day kind of people. So we went on to say, who is your discipler? What is your discipler? I don't know if you're in this service, but I think a phone was thrown over his shoulder. It was pretty fun. But I came across, uh, I was reading a book about the next generations. And uh, it said, not a hopeless case. That's the title of the book. This person spent a lot of time with the next generations, and they say, they are not hopeless. I'm very optimistic. They got some issues, some things to figure out, but we all do. They're works in progress. But they said this, think about who is our disciple? Who is occupying our mind? Who are we following they quoted a person from 1971 who won a Nobel Prize. In 1971, they said, in an information rich world, 1971, the wealth of information means a dearth of something else. It's a scarcity of whatever that information consumes. What information consumes is obvious, it consumes the attention of its recipients. I think we think we are a consumeristic culture. We are consuming. I had not thought of it, though, that the thing I am consuming is actually consuming me. It has my attention. And if whatever the other discipler is, if it is, I believe if it is not Jesus, because what would he ask us to do? Love one another. See one another. I saw the other day, uh, Jesus is walking. He's He's on an important mission. He's walking to heal somebody. And time is of the essence. Jesus is going, someone touches him. He feels his power come out. That person's been healed. He knows that, but he stops to pay attention to that that person. If my attention is consumed by the information which I am being assaulted by at all times, I would not stop to talk to that person and I am guilty of that. I can think of an opportunity just the other day. I saw someone and I could have stopped. I should have stopped. I should have stopped. And I did not. So this morning I confessed that before the Lord. I was so consumed with what I was focused on, what was coming to me. It consumed me and I missed it. So I said, Help me to be more like Jesus. So if we're gonna be everyone, everyday people who are helping one another, experience life-giving freedom in Jesus, we had better be discipled by Jesus, which means we are in relationship with him. We're engaged in extended instruction. We become proficient because we know what he would do, and we imitate him then in this life and we develop new relationships, and bigger relationships, and deeper relationships, where people will feel our three values. Progress over perfection, refuge over rejection, many over me. So I was thinking, Jesus' analogy of the mustard seed. So I want you to think about a seed. So I, th- I, I think I see these three things in his description of the kingdom. A seed starts very small, and then what does it do? It progressively gets bigger. It grows over time. What does he say about the tree? The birds of the air, the creatures of the garden, come and rest in that tree. I mean, birds make nests, they build homes, they feel safe, they get food, in the tree. And the beauty of trees is that trees cannot not make more trees. A tree cannot not make more trees. It's just what it does. Disciples disciples of Jesus slowly grow progress. They provide a place for people to come. And they can't not make more trees. Those are the values. And you know what I love about the mustard seed? I was doing some reading, and a lot of people think it's not that big of a tree. I like think in my mind, I always thought this like this massive tree, right? The kingdom of God's huge. It is. But what I saw, maybe nine feet tall. So that's like a little taller than my hand. Seems like just like a normal tree. It's a normal tree. And these normal trees can slowly grow, they can welcome people, and they can make more trees. Isn't that encouraging? I feel like a normal tree, do you? I know there's talks about oaks and mighty oaks. I don't know if I feel like a mighty oak most days. I feel like a little mustard tree. So I wanted to ask, you'd assess your own discipleship with Jesus. I'm just asking, this has been challenging to me, just so you know, sitting just reading through the Gospels. Do I live like Jesus very often? Because I've been reading these Gospels, I've been noticing when I'm not. I think if I notice when I'm not, I'll also begin to notice when I can, and then I believe that I will. So I'm just asking. We're starting, you know, there's lots of opportunities in this church, outside this church, I don't care where you're being disciplined, as long as that person loves Jesus. And it's rooted right here. Are we pursuing, are we choosing the right teacher? So I thought, I would look at, at a fun character, a fun person from the Bible. Because we noticed, we took that survey a while back. Do you remember that survey we took? Like back in like May-ish about we kind of assessed our own discipleship and where we are. And one of the things we noticed was we have a hard time kind of seeing like how my story fits in God's story. We're not necessarily incorporating like what our relationship with him into our normal days. This was self-reported, by the way. We all reported this. We all have room to grow. We all have progress. Okay. So I thought, it might be fun for the next year. We're always in the begin with Jesus. to so then also look at people who follow Jesus and see how they're following him and how they're progressively growing in him. Big church word, sanctification. Or oh, as a process over time, becoming holy, set apart, become something different, not just to be set apart, but then to be deployed for use. So as we become more like Jesus, he deploys sin in our everyday to impact everyone that we encounter. So we're talking to talk about this guy named Joseph. His friends call him Barnabas. So if you would, turn to Acts chapter four. We got a page number. I'm gonna read 32 all the way through 37. But I'm gonna key in on 36 and 37 for today. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as there was need. Joseph... A Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put the apostles' feet. People of God, again, this is the word of God. All right. So Barnabas. Barnabas, if you, we have spent time in Acts as a church family. I know that. Uh, Sometimes he gets a little, he gets a little forgotten in the story. Barnabas is this behind-the-scenes kind of person who is just always encouraging people. He's looking for people. He's developing people. He's creating space for them to grow. Always. So he does this with the apostle Paul. He's the one when Paul is converted or, and he changes and he, he goes from wanting to destroy the church to being for the church. He's the one who brings Paul or Saul to the, to the apostles and says, you've got to hear his story. He vouches for him. He believes him. This person who was against them suddenly is for them. He must have been really curious to go find out the story. He must have heard. He probably went and listened to Paul share his testimony. And then he relayed his testimony to others. And he brought Paul in and Paul went on to plant churches all over the known world. Greatest missionary ever. Because the Spirit, I think, said Barnabas, this guy. No one else believes in him. I do. You gotta bring him with you. That's Barnabas. But I wanna key on a different story for Barnabas. Um, it's in Acts chapter 15. So if you turn a couple more pages. This page 1095. I'll just pick up reading. Verse 36, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, they're always traveling together, always ministering together. They're all over the place together. Let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement, they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed home for Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and they left. They left. So these two friends, Paul and Barnabas, who have been through everything together, decide, both with good reasons, to part company. I'm not here to say who was right and who was wrong. I have no idea, but the Lord did a good thing. They both discipled people. But I wanna pay attention to John Mark for just a moment. See, John Mark is a really interesting person. In Mark's Gospel, I used Mark's Gospel, yes, that Jesus gets arrested in, 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 in the garden. And in that story, it says there's a person who flees the scene so fast that he loses his garments. He was naked. He ran away so fast, he lost his clothing. Most scholars think that was John Mark. Then John Mark, later, is becoming a follower of Jesus, He wants to go on a mission. He wants to go with Paul and with Barnabas, his cousin. But when the tough gets going, he gets going, and he deserts them, second time. Two times, two critical moments, he bails. Why would Barnabas wanna bring him along again? Barnabas we the missions. We partner with the Spirit to make disciples who multiply near and far. We know our good God has more for us than we can achieve in our own. We experience the astonishing grace of Jesus as we're seeing, known, and loved. Barnabas seems to see something in John Mark, like Paul, that no one else could see. And over years, he chooses. Barnabas kind of fades away. He was big time up until now. And he fades away. He brings his cousin home He disciples him. John Mark goes on to meet the other disciples and write a really important gospel where we begin today. John Mark wrote Mark with Peter. How long did it take for the man who fled Jesus naked to get to the point where he could write the gospel that we still use today? I'm guessing it took a while, and Barnabas hung with him. Progress, you know, perfection is wholeness. We slowly become whole. It's not unblemished on the, in this life. It's not the standard of perfection that no one can reach. No, it's this journey to becoming whole. Barnabas seems to believe in that kind of progress and he's willing to be patient with someone while they do. He created, he brought, he brought John Mark home to a place where he could probably be what? Seen, known, and loved. I bet you though, Barnabas had to have some hard conversations with John Mark. Last service I saw two coaches, I see many coaches, we live in a day and age right now where, we, for some reason, when we disagree on things, and this sometimes is true, we assume the other is rejecting us. You know what they say about assumptions? Sometimes, in a place of refuge, when you are seen, known, and loved, we have to be able to give people permission to say, hey, do you know what you're doing? Do you know you're hurting yourself? Do you know you're hurting your family? Do you know that I love you? I love you so much, I need you to know this is killing all of us, and we want you to become who you were meant to be. That's why I'm sharing this with you. That's what happens in places of refuge. You know what else about a place of refuge is to be a refuge, you have to go find the person you can provide refuge to. You know anything about that? Sometimes we think if we we create a great place, people just naturally come. If you build it, they will come. It only happens in the movies. No, to be a refuge, you have to go and learn about the ones you want to be a refuge to. You have to go ask them questions. You have to understand them. Did you know in the Old Testament, in the cities of refuge, because they had these, for people who accidentally uh, killed someone, they could flee to a city of refuge. But as they came to the city they would meet before the elders and they would share their story and as the elders would hear their story they would know who they are they would know what happened they would know how they could love them and then they would welcome them into their community and they could live there for as long as they wanted that's a refuge in barnabas my mom always told me you have to work yourself out of a job you're always looking for the person who can come after you. You're always looking for the person who can exceed you. You're always looking for the person who, who I can get this far, you take us that far. With the Spirit saying, oh man, look what he, he can do it. And when the time comes, Barnabas always stepped aside. He did it with Paul. Perhaps he did it with John Mark. So what does that look like for us? I just have some simple ideas I don't know if I going to work. Can you give me slide 10? I'm changing number one. It's not 100 hours, it's 50, right? So how to make progress? We have to want to make progress. We have to want to spend time with Jesus. We have to want to learn about him. You know, my wife's right here. I want to make progress in being her husband. Therefore, I spend time with her. And I get to know her. So, funny story. We have any YouTube junkies in here? It's okay. You can raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. There's more than that. I know it. So I was listening to a pastor that I like, and uh, he was telling a story, and he said, you know, we always hear the the thing about 10,000 hours to be a master at something. He's like, that sounds like a lot. He said, but you know, he said, I was, he was researching a random religion. He said, for no reason. I wasn't trying to to talk to them. I wasn't trying to do anything in their community. I was just, I went down a rabbit trail on YouTube. Anybody? You're like, how did I get here? And he said he spent about 50 hours learning about this religion. He goes, total waste of time. Maybe. He said, but you know what though? After 50 hours, I knew more about that religion than anybody else that I know. More than anyone I know in 50 hours. 50 intentional, dedicated, focused hours. I knew more than anybody I know. So can I I ask you in the next season? Let's say, let's go to Lent. How about that? Yeah, Lent, about a month. Is that a month? About a month. 50 hours. Would you spend 50 intentional hours with Jesus? And that can look like lots of stuff. Like, so, bless God, I love that song. Song we're singing at the end, love that song. I've spent hours just listening to those songs because I like them and I can get focused and I can do work, but there's, there's in my brain. I think that's a form of discipleship. My thoughts are occupied by blessing God. Final song, it's called Crowns Down. What do I need to lay at the feet of Jesus? What do I have to surrender to him today? It's a form of discipleship. You know what It'd be great if you spent 50 hours in here. Maybe part of it's going for walks. Maybe it's a discipleship class. Maybe it's a one-on-one with somebody you mean to get together and like, "Hey, you know what? We're going to spend some serious time together." Maybe you do that with your spouse or your roommate. What well, if you get 50 intentional hours with somebody around who Jesus is? What might happen? Second, kind of be a refuge. We, I, ought to become more curious. Just ask more questions. We love talking about ourselves. Flip that around. Let someone talk about themselves. You know, I was reading about uh, Barnabas, and one of the commentaries I read said that we love to tell our own testimony, and we need to learn our own testimony. We need to become people who can share our testimony. So said, but what if you did that and you learned the testimony of someone else so well that you could share their testimony with someone else? So you have your testimony. You have their testimony. What if we were that kind of listener? What if we were that curious? So we could be a, a refuge to whoever it is you share life with every day. Third one, how to multiply. Just be looking. We have opportunities all the time. Yeah, real quick. I was, so, snow days? You ever having fun with snow days? Yeah. First one, super fun. But when you're trying to figure out, for kids, kids blast. But if you, when you're an adult and you're trying to figure out life on these snow days, if you still have kids, it's tricky to get work done, to juggle back and forth. You know, we are trying to figure out how to work and, and take care of our kids. And I had this, we we had this conversation, I can, I'm sure I can share this, where it's like we just, We missed a lot of the fun that we could have had around the snow. Because I, I'll say I, I got consumed by the information, the things coming at me. The one time I got it right was on Friday. And I played hot and cold with bunnies for about 30 minutes it's where you go and we go hide bunnies all through the house and you tell if you're hot or cold, try to find the bunnies. Yeah, our girls had so much fun. That's like the one time I got it right. But I missed a bunch of chances. And that's who I'm supposed to be discipling every day. We all have opportunities. Can we just be looking for them? Two things left. I'll invite the band up. One, can you give me slide number 11? You probably have seen this. We have a new logo. We're keeping the old, the words, classic. Can't touch those. That was the feedback. Oh, don't touch third church. That was great. But if you look at this, just play with me for a moment. Could you imagine? Look at the upwards and the horizontal. Progress is made as we are connected here and we're connected here. Look at it. Look looked the C refuge it's a place where people can come in you can come in and be as we're connected here and connected here but it's open because once you're here for a while we hope you go back out Does that make sense and final thing me slide 12 we have some new things you can buy some clothes and know that all the proceeds will go to our mission trips who has had a life-changing experience on a mission trip? Yeah. So we'll create more opportunities for that, just if you want to grab some, some merch, you know. <laughs> it's, it's cozy and comfortable. But I, I, I have an ask for you as we move into our final worship set here. Uh, there's two songs. And uh, the first one I mentioned, it's called Crowns Down. And you listen to it. A wise man once said, We all seem to aspire to create our own kingdoms and queendoms where we're in control, where we wear the crown. In Revelation, we listened to how the elders were laying their crowns down before the king. So, would you, if you would, just for the first song, for a while, would you just think about, pray about, what crown am I trying to wear? Is it one of perfection? Is it one of rejection? It's really easy to reject people. Instead of being a refuge for someone, you have to go learn about them. Am I holding a crown of judgmentalism where I know right and they don't? Or do I, am I just thinking about myself all the time? I'm thinking about me. So in this first song, would you just, for a moment, whenever you want to stand, you can. Both rooms. I'll turn, you guys can move around a little bit if you want. What what do I need to lay before the king? If you want to, you can come up and you can receive communion. Come to the table. Come receive his body and his blood. Maybe go, come before the cross as an act and just lay something down. Because the song builds to a place where we say, Holy, holy, holy. Let's surrender so we can say, holy. And we can join in with the heavenly choirs who are singing now into eternity. So let's pray. Father, I ask that you, that you would just move through the room, through, just with your spirit, that we would be a people who, who readily confess all the things that keep us from you and things that keep us from each other we bring those things to you. Knowing that as we bring them to you that we are welcomed with love. That you see us and you know us and you say, I already knew that about you. That was why I came. I came knowing that you would struggle with that. Bring that to me. And I pray that after we have given that to you that we would be a people who on this day Sing your praises, because you are God, and we are so grateful. Amen.